This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to celebrityqb.com. to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender. NFL Wildcard Weekend just wrapped up, and I have to say it was a bit of a disappointment because you got three clunkers, and then you finally had a good game emerge uh, with late with the Panthers and Saints. Uh, but overall, just a really weak uh, wildcard showing today. Uh, I mean, uh, over the weekend, and it, yep. Oh, Raiders scored. Ah, got, got a little distracted there. Uh, Z Bone. Uh, the the Rangers are playing the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Uh, so uh, uh, got a little distracted there. So Rangers felt one nothing. But anyway, um, back to my point. Uh, uh yeah, <laughs> that's a nice goal. Uh, anyway, uh, b- uh, back to my point. Uh, in terms of the wild card games, again, the three clunkers. Uh, based off of wh- everything that was coming into it, uh, what some of these teams had done, just really disappointing uh, work out of some of these teams. Again, I, I talked about it last night. Uh, Kansas City, just baffling decision as to how they were managing uh, the clock and just their possessions in the second half. A, a whole lot of things to criticize with Kansas City. Then you had the Rams just no show on Saturday night uh, against the Falcons. Uh, uh, Rams offense was non-existent. I mean, I I thought Atlanta would struggle to score more than twenty-four points. They got to twenty-six, but honestly, the the Rams defense did its job. Uh, uh, considering everything that was going on, it, it, it was just the Utter lack of time possession by the Rams. Uh, not n- really getting Gurley all that involved in the offense until late in the game. Uh, Gurley got a lot of yards late in that game. And even though he got over 100 yards, it was late in that game. Uh, just a lot of struggles for Jared Goff. Uh, just really disappointing uh, performance by the Rams Saturday night. Uh, the Bills-Jags game just... Uh, Game that will just be tossed into a fire pit, never to be seen from again. Hopefully, uh, just uh, I mean the most entertaining thing about the Bills Jags game is the Bills Mafia just utterly destroying tables, just being the degenerate fan bait uh, fans that they are. Uh, if you have not seen the Bills Mafia videos, uh, you know you can go check it out on YouTube and Twitter. I mean they love posting them. Don't ask me why. They're idiots. Uh, I, I truly hope that none of their employers are watching. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's just get right down to it in terms of uh, fantasy numbers uh, uh, today for everyone involved in the matchup. So, uh, we'll get right down to it. Going into the first wildcard game yesterday, not much was given in terms of Tennessee's chances. With good reason. Marcus Mariota has struggled throwing the ball all year uh, for the most part. Kansas City really only had to worry about Derrick Henry. The Chiefs had basically righted the ship midterm. Uh, I mean, late in the season after a midter- uh, midterm to forget about. I mean, they, they went into a tailspin and 
you know, most people didn't think they were going to be able to pull it out. They pulled it out. You think they were more than ready for the playoffs, and yesterday happens again. The Chiefs were in complete control of this game uh, right up until the moment Travis Kelsey gets hurt uh, with about a minute to go in this second quarter. The Chiefs still score a touchdown on the drive anyway, but after that point, the Chiefs actually managed uh, less than 70 yards of offense the rest of the game. Uh, just looking at the numbers, Alex Smith had 264 yards passing, two, D, two TDs, but he had over 150 yards passing in the first quarter, which means, again, barely over 100 yards passing the rest, the remaining three quarters. Just abysmal. Uh, then you, you, you turn to uh, Kareem Hunt, who was literally so far down the list. Uh, 11 rush attempts for 42 yards. He got a touchdown. But again, Kareem Hunt had six carries in the second half. The Chiefs formula all year had been get a lead, pound the ball with Kareem Hunt. Just bizarre play calling. Meanwhile, on the Tennessee side, you had Marcus Mariota be the first quarterback in NFL history to throw a touchdown pass to himself in the playoffs. It happened once in the regular season. Utterly bizarre play where the ball gets batted back into him. He catches it and runs it in. That actually sparked uh, Tennessee uh, in making the comeback, uh, being down 21-3. to uh, Then the, the workhorse of the day, Derrick Henry... 23 carries, 156 rushing yards, and just absolutely gashed Kansas City's defense in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Chiefs' defense was absolutely worn out uh, by the end of that game, and it showed. Uh, in terms of everything that went on, uh, there was nothing left for the Chiefs, and they paid for it dearly. Now, moving on to the nightcap. You had... The Falcons and the Rams. Again, I thought this game was a tight matchup where you could see the Rams having a difficult time with the Falcons just because the Falcons have a decent enough offense where they could get on them early and put a little pressure on the Rams. But that wasn't necessarily the case. The Rams were doing a decent enough job on defense. The offense just had no clue what to do with themselves. Uh, Atlanta did a couple of nice little uh, stunts up front to kind of stymie the run game with uh, Gurley. And the Rams had a difficult time trying to pick up the pace, uh, just uh, uh, seeing what was going on. Jared Goff had a really tough time uh, recognizing some of the coverages. Uh, they they worked on it where uh, they were getting uh, Jared Goff to kind of scramble a bit, which uh, definitely limited. Ah, oh, damn it. Uh, the... Uh, what a Vegas score. Sorry. Uh, yeah. But, uh, back, uh, back, focus. Apparently Vegas scored. I, I guess the Rangers were on a power play, and they they probably gave up a shorthanded goal most likely. I I have no idea how Vegas scored, but uh, that's probably what, <laughs> knowing the Rangers, that's probably what happened. Anyway, uh, getting back to football. Uh, uh, in terms of the Falcons, uh Good overall game plan. Uh, I I thought that Matt Ryan actually had one of his most composed games uh, uh, that you would see because you know even though he didn't put up uh, big numbers per se, uh, only 218 yards passing, he actually managed the game the way you should. Uh, and by that I mean when it came down to the third uh, down situations. Uh, the Falcons weren't in situations where they were in danger. So it, it was a comfortable pace that the Falcons were setting for themselves. And that, more than anything else, is what they kind of needed to do against the Rams' defense. Not give up a big play uh, to that pass rush, which uh, they, they managed to do. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, the Falcons' attack, Devonta Freeman, uh, you know what? All the reports uh, with the hamstring issue... Uh, didn't really come into a play. I mean, he had 18 rushes, 66 yards, had a TD. Uh, Tevin Coleman uh, had 14 carries uh, for uh, 40 yards rushing. So 
they kept it balanced. Tevin Coleman got more carries, but uh, Freeman held up. He looked good. So, uh, you know, he, he should be, he should be good to go uh, next week. Uh, outside of that, uh, in terms of the Atlanta offense, it's Julio Jones. And finally, Julio got some targets in the red zone. I, I mean, you know, from the standpoint of, how an offense could go without targeting their best offensive weapon in the red zone is beyond me. But Atlanta finally got itself uh, squared away and put it together. So, decent enough job offensively by uh, the Falcons. Uh, spread out. spread out. Julio led with 21 points. Uh, shockingly, this entire weekend, uh, Marcus Mariota led all scores with 26, <laughs> 26.9 points. Again, because he caught his own touchdown pass. So it counts as a touchdown pass and a reception. I, I, that, that, anyone who lost money on DraftKings and FanDuel because of that, uh, I have to laugh because I lost money on that. But I, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's a goofy stat. That should never be able to happen. But yeah, it counts as a touchdown pass and a reception. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's at least ten points there. What are you gonna do? Uh, anyway, uh, Derrick Henry, twenty six points, uh, uh, and you know, if anyone was, because uh, uh, we're gonna take a quick break here. Uh, anyone who's actually watching the Bills Jags game knows that that game set offensive football back about uh, at least. 25 years so uh, I'm, I'm gonna play more appropriate music when I dissect what went down with the Bills Jags game and to do so this had to be done with not NFL music but music more appropriate for how I viewed this game well let's see in terms of the actual game itself Blake Bortles Yes, that Blake Bortles. The Blake Bortles that I continue to mock. Completed 12 of 23 passes for 87 yards and a touchdown. Which, again, had to be a great catch by his tight end because Blake overthrew him, by the way. But anyway. Uh, he had 87 yards passing. He won the game because he managed to run for 88 yards rushing. Now, this was because the Bills didn't bother putting a spy on him because they were dropping back in coverage, daring him to throw, and Blake not having the confidence to actually complete a forward pass because he couldn't throw into the wind, decided to take off and run. And the Bills just tried to chase him down. So he had about three or four uh, runs of about 18 to 20 yards. And he kept gashing the Bills. And that's what was the difference in the game. Because if you look at it, uh, realistically, Leonard Fournette was a non-factor with 21 carries, 57 yards. Uh, <laughs> Deion Sanders busted out his uh, old moniker of the tiptoe bandit that he used to use on Sean Alexander because uh, Fournette was dancing in the backfield today. And not in a good way. Dancing as if he didn't want to get hit kind of way. Uh, Fournette was a non-factor. Like I said, Bortles only threw for 87 yards. So no receiver did anything today. And that's not on the receivers. That's on Blake Bortles being unable to throw a forward pass. Speaking of the inability to throw a forward pass was poor Tyrod Taylor. Because, yes, I have banged on Bill's management for not giving Tyrod Taylor more support. Unfortunately, Tyrod was unable to complete any passes over 20 yards today, so he went 0 for 4. On top of that, Tyrod also managed to struggle throwing uh, the football uh, today because he only had three passes completed that were further than 10 yards. I mean, to be perfectly frank, that's almost impossible to do. Uh, Again, yes, it was windy in Jacksonville. 
I get it. It wasn't that windy. <laughs> Uh, so Tyrod went 17 of 34, uh, oh no, sorry, 17 of 37 for 134 yards. So he was under 50% passing. Uh, he had a lower QBR rating than Bortles, so it was a QBR rating of 58.6 to 27.2. Uh, you know, I mean, <sighs> there were a lot of punts in this game. Let, let's be frank. Uh, just, just so many punts in this game. Uh, but, you know, both teams had possession, uh, uh, possession issues. Uh, the Bills turned it over twice, I guess, so you could say that's what cost them the game. But re realistically, no one could throw a forward pass. I mean, <laughs> the, the description for this game is unwatchable. I mean, sleep-inducing even. I suffered through this game because I have to cover this stuff. But even on the final drive, when the Bills are trying to go in to tie this game up somehow after being unable to do so, uh, Tyrod Taylor gets absolutely crushed. Which, again, I shouldn't play the music for because, it, it, you know, Tyrod got absolutely bludgeoned and, like, slammed to the ground, so... He went down with an injury. But, again, you know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. So, you didn't have the sense that the Bills were going to come into this game. But I knew something uh, something uh, uh, hilarious was going to happen after this. Because it was the return of the Peterman. And here we go. Because this is the same guy who threw five picks in one half of football. So, you knew something bad was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. So, back to the Nathan Peterman show. Uh, Peterman just... He, he, he was Nathan Peterman. I mean, he lived up to the billing. Uh, he threw three passes. He had one completion for 14 yards. He did have that. Uh, and, he, and he ran for his life to get a first down because... The Jags did not spy on him either because they're thinking, well, what's he going to do, run? And apparently he did run for a first down. Then, to cap off the game, Peterman tried to throw a pass outside the numbers. We can all see where this is going. So, Peterman throws it. Not only does he throw it outside the numbers, he throws it at Jalen Ramsey, the all-pro quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why would you throw at an all-pro pro quarterback? Because you don't know any better, and it's the Peterman. I mean, the guy threw five picks in one half of football. It's not like he has the greatest quarterback awareness to begin with. Uh, so, yeah, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, basically, he had, uh, and I'm, I'm pulling up the stat here, uh, Jalen Ramsey had a passer rating... Uh, a opponent QB pass rating of 36% when he was thrown at. I mean, I mean honestly, you, you don't throw at him. <laughs> it, it, it's just, you would have been, in, in terms of NFL passer rating, the baseline's 40. So, if the Bills just threw the ball out of bounds... They would have had a higher QBR rating than if they kept throwing at Jalen Ramsey. It, it's almost impossible to, to overstate the fact that you could have been better off just throwing out of bounds than what the Bills did today. I, I mean, that's all there is to it. Uh, there was nothing else in this game that you could talk about other than Marcel Darius clogging up the middle, making it hard for... LaShawn McCoy to try to run the football on an injured ankle. I mean, he still put up 19, uh, uh, 75 yards on 19 carries, so he, he did what he could. But again, when you trade your best run stopper to the team that you end up playing in the playoffs, you kind of deserve what you get. And that's what happened with the Bills today. A completely unwatchable football, mainly because Blake Bortles is not an NFL quarterback. But Tyrod Taylor did himself no favors either. And it's going to be his last game with the Bills because, honestly, when you have a performance like that, 
you know you gotta upgrade the quarterback position, and it's not gonna be the Peterman. I mean, Peterman is just. I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep ripping on the guy because it, it is what it is. I mean, when you have that bad of a debut, when you come back and you show up in a postseason game and you still look the same confused, bewildered look on your face, I mean, it's probably a calling card that this is not the kind of sport you should be involved in, and that you're probably gonna get yourself hurt. So. Better make a joke out of Peterman than to see the poor guy get himself injured. So, uh, that's all there is to talk about for the Bills game. So, moving on to the final game that was actually worth talking about. Uh, you had uh, the Saints hosting the Panthers. And, you know, overall with this game, you had a good game. Uh, Drew Brees... And I, and I talked about this before. Drew Brees was in a situation where Kamara and Ingram had been just compiling up ridiculous numbers all, uh, all season long. They were averaging 193, uh, 193 yards uh, from scrimmage between the two of them for the season. So, you, more often than not, they're going to put up numbers. Today, though, Carolina's run defense, which is already stout, basically said, we're not going to give them anything. We're going to force Drew Brees to beat us on his own. And that's what Brees did. I, I mean, Brees completed on 21-26 uh, attempts for 315 yards. So, basically, he's over averaging over 12 yards an attempt. So, he's getting chunks of yards every pass he throws. And he had a passer rating of 142.8. So, meanwhile, he if you added up the scores of Blake Bortles... Tyrod Taylor and the Peter Man combined, they were still not enough <laughs> uh, uh, for Drew Brees. Let alone if you doubled their QBR rating combined, still not enough for Drew Brees. So that's how good Drew Brees was today. That's what an NFL quarterback is supposed to do. So when people are questioning why the NFL ratings are down, my point is that's it. You need NFL quarterbacks. There are no NFL quarterbacks playing well right now outside of what you saw between the Saints and the Panthers. Matt Ryan had a decent game. He managed the game. He took care of business. Alex Smith had a good quarter. These, uh, between Drew Brees and Cam Newton, they actually put on a show. That's what you're looking for in the NFL playoffs to keep people interested. I, I, I can't say anything more uh, than that. But, uh, you know, in terms of the game itself, uh, you know, you had a good performance out of Carolina. Uh, realistically, the, the issue that Carolina ran into is the fact that they couldn't stop Michael Thomas, uh, who caught eight of nine uh, targets for 131 yards. Uh, the back shoulder throw was there all day long. Uh, they couldn't They couldn't stop it. Uh, Breeze and Thomas were in sync the entire game. Even though they had uh, locked down uh, Ingram and Kamara, uh, you know, Breeze just kept gashing them. Uh, so, uh, you know, Cam Newton put uh, did what he could. 24-40, uh, 349 yards, two touchdowns. Took a massive shot. Uh, people are going to be talking about that one because uh, Cam probably should have gone to the concussion protocol based off of the league rules. Just because he looked that bad. I mean, that visor was like crunched all the way up into his face when he took that shot. Uh, but, you know, Newton came back, uh, kept playing. His eye was bloodshot red because uh, it looked like the visor like jammed in so hard that it, it, it hit, it scratched the eyeball. But he kept going on it. But uh, outside of that, the issue Carolina ran into is the fact that they don't have dynamic playmakers on that team. Outside of McCaffrey, who caught a, a, a nice seam route and ran it all the way down uh, uh, the field for a 56-yard touchdown uh, catch, uh, no one else did anything for Carolina uh, outside of Greg Olson. I mean, you can't live your entire offense off of catching a, a, a pass-catching running back out of a flat and the tight end. You need a wide receiver to make a play. And I know Devin Funches is hurt. But the problem is that 
you know, somebody else has got to make a play. And uh, this is the thing. Uh, there was no one else. So uh, you look at it, and uh, from the standpoint of uh, Ted Ginn Jr., whom the Panthers let go in the offseason, uh, came came back to bite him in the rear because uh, Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, put up numbers today, folks. I mean, he had uh, four catches on six targets for 115 yards and a TD. Had a big touchdown catch uh, in the first half. You need those kind of plays to happen, at least to generate it from a wide receiver standpoint. You, you, it just has to happen with a big play uh, in certain aspects because you're going to face a tough defense and more often than not, you're going to get caught in a situation where you can't uh, get yourself out of it. And that's really what happened with Carolina. Uh, Cam was doing what he could, dinging and dunking, but they couldn't make a big play to save their lives, and they ended up costing them in the end. So uh, now it sets up the stage where the Saints are going to go uh, to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Uh, Atlanta gets a gift of a matchup. Uh, as a sixty, because they get to go into Philly to play the Eagles and Nick Foles, who, not for nothing, has have been playing with zero confidence. Uh, Philly's got to figure out a way of getting Foles engaged, and I'm not sure if it's going to take uh, uh, something along the lines of, of figuring out a way of getting Foles to be a little bit more uh, dynamic and moving out of the pocket. But they got to figure out something because that offense is not the same without Carson Wentz. And the fact that they don't have a mo- more mobile quarterback is burning them. I mean, you, you can't have your offense be that bad the last three weeks of the season. Uh, I know Wentz is hurt, but you got to have a backup plan. And right now, it doesn't look like Philly has one. So, moving on to the Saturday night game, you've got the... Titans traveling to New England and what can only be referred to as the New England Invitational to absolutely destroy a weaker AFC side. I mean, we've seen it with the Colts in the past. Uh, Numerous teams get slaughtered in this Saturday night time slot. Uh, Honestly, I don't care how big the line is. I'm taking New England here. Uh, The problem is is that... uh, it, that line's going to be massive uh, because of just how inexperienced uh, Tennessee is. I mean, d- d- realistically, uh, New England is going to be uh, taking away what they were doing well with Derrick Henry. Uh, even with uh, Taylor Lewan, who had an amazing game Saturday, they're going to uh, take away uh, Derrick Henry. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And in terms of what Mariota was able to do Saturday, you know, again, there wasn't a lot going on with their receivers. So I'm not seeing where Tennessee is even going to be remotely close to staying close with New England. Uh, The Pats uh, are going to take that one easily. And the fact that ESPN went with that story of the vision with the the Patriots and Belichick and Brady – over the Garoppolo trade, uh, you know, the Pats are going to be in a special kind of annoyed mood uh, uh, coming up uh, Saturday night. Uh, I do not envy the Titans whatsoever. I, I think, uh, you know, it's a it was a fun story. It's not going to end well. But, you know, they got a playoff win, and they got some confidence that they can build with uh, Mariota, definitely, with that, that squad. So, uh it's good. Uh, it's a good thing uh, for the Titans. It's just, you know, the fairy tale is going to come to an abrupt end uh, very soon. Uh, moving on, you've got the Steelers uh, going up. Uh, well, uh, the Steelers actually hosting the Jags. Blake Bortles has to play better. The, bottom line, Blake Bortles cannot throw for under 100 yards. He, he needs to throw for 300 more, more than likely against the Steelers' defense because Steelers are decent against the run. Not so much uh, uh, not so much in terms of uh, the passing uh, game. Uh, I mean, Hayden was hurt. They've been better passing as of late. But here's the thing. Fournette has not been on. And like I said, Dion called him out with the tiptoe burglar coming. I wasn't going to go there with 
uh, call him soft, but uh, Fournette, you know, all these stories about how strong Fournette's been lately, this is the best he's felt. The results have not been there. The the result is that he's slowing down. Uh, And that's all there is to it. Oh, okay, so the Lions just came up. Uh, uh, Whew! Uh, Pat's favorite, 13 and a half. Uh, Falcons, even though they're on the road, favored by three over the Eagles. Uh, Yeah, I agree there. Uh, You got the Steelers' favorite, seven and a half over the Jags. And uh, in the final game, uh, you've got uh, the Vikings' favorite, three and a half over the Saints. It's it's fair, uh, given that they're the home side. But yeah. I mean, bottom line, the the Jags have got to figure out a way of getting Blake Bortles involved. Uh, the Jags defense, I think, uh, they're not going to pick off uh, Big Ben five times, but I think they can do enough to slow down the Steelers defense to make this an interesting game, as long as Blake Bortles can figure out a way of not turning the ball over, but at the same time being somewhat of a passable NFL QB. I mean, you, you you don't need to be good. Just be average. If you can be an average NFL QB, you're going to keep... Uh, your defense has a chance of keeping this one close because they uh, the Steelers will try to push the envelope and Jacksonville's defense can make a play. Uh, they're going to make it, need to make a play to win this game anyway, but they just need that offense to at least be average. If they can get to 17 points... That can at least keep it interesting enough where maybe you can get a defensive touchdown and then you only need maybe a field goal at the very end to nip it uh, against uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, honestly, that's what you're kind of coming up with because as it stands, the Lions at 41. I agree with that assessment. I I think it's going to be under 41 because I think the Steelers are going to have to figure out a way of not revealing too much because... Again, they're going to be facing New England. Uh, listen, Titans, you had a you had a win that no one expected. You're, you're going with, you're going home for now, but uh, the, the Steelers got to figure out a way of uh, uh, get getting it uh, getting it done without revealing too many of their good plays to the Patriots uh, with only a weak turnaround time. So uh, that's the way I look at it. And in the final game, you got a really dynamic matchup between the Vikings and the Saints. Uh, we're going to see if uh, Case Keenum can get it done. Uh, you know, I would say that in this circumstance, the Saints defense has been getting the job done. They've been they've been aggressive. I mean, uh, it's they're not going to set the world on fire, but they're not going to embarrass themselves either. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's what you're kind of looking for. So, uh I look at this as a situation where I'm, you know, I, as of Sunday night here, I'm 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 picking uh, the Saints. I, I could I could flip flop uh, uh, as we headed to next week, but uh, um, I'm looking at this right now. Uh, Kamara and Ingram are gonna bounce back. Uh, Vikings have a good defense, but those guys are too good to hold down two weeks in a row. Uh, I, I think they're gonna have uh, a response. Uh, Settle for next week. So, uh, again, it's going to be an interesting dynamic here because I'm not, I, you know, the legend of Case Keenum keeps growing, but, uh, you know, at a certain point, he's due for one of those games where it's just like the fairy tale's got to end, and maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I, I just look at a situation where, uh, yeah, something's got to give. So, uh, that takes care of the NFL, uh, right now. Uh, we're, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're gonna have to, uh, we have to get, uh, back into it, uh, another time, but, um, uh, a couple other stories I want to get to, and we're, we're, we're gonna get into a little NBA talk right now, uh, Unfortunately, uh, we we, uh, we have to report the news of... Uh, well, I have to mention news of Kawhi Leonard getting hurt again. Uh, it's it's tough because the Spurs have been waiting for Kawhi to get come back from the uh, quadricep issue. Uh, and, you know, came back from the quad. 
And now he's got a shoulder tear. Uh, it it could be one of those years for the Spurs where uh, things just don't work out. Uh, but the problem is, is that the Spurs are on a tight timetable. Uh, Manu ain't getting any younger. Tony Parker ain't getting any younger. So they, they kind of need Kawhi to be healthy because the West is no joke. But, you know, they don't have the horses this year to beat Golden State uh, with Kawhi impaired like this. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, you at least like to see some competition for uh, Golden State. Uh, but, uh, you know, it ain't going to be the Rockets. I'll tell you that much. Uh, uh, Harden, Harden hurt the hamstring. But even with Harden healthy, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, it's just not uh it's just not one where uh you see the rockets being serious enough to contend rockets uh they talked a big game about we're looking to take down the warriors i mean the warriors came in they saw they saw the rockets on the schedule you know they put it on them even without kd you know i talked about it i mean it's just it's kind of an embarrassing loss. Uh, that's all there is to it. You're at home. No Kevin Durant. This is your statement game. I mean, you gotta you gotta have more than that. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, I like Eric. Uh, I like Eric Gordon. Uh, he's a good. He's a good player. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know what else you're gonna do with. Uh, the Rockets, I mean, even with, uh, if Harden was healthy, I, I still don't think uh, that game would have uh, made much of a difference. But, uh, you know, the Rockets, to me, are pretenders. Uh, and in the West, you know, maybe OKC puts it together. But I'm I'm not sold uh, on any team where uh, you have Carmelo Anthony because Melo... Mellow is about mellow. At the end of the day, he's going to put up his numbers. Uh, Paul George is going to put up his numbers, but Paul George looks more and more likely that he's going to the Lakers, which is, in and of itself, a very curious decision because the Lakers are pretty close to becoming a dumpster fire uh, given the fact that you have you-know-who Talking about Lonzo and his teammates. Uh, so let's just get right down to it. Uh, we're going to do another update in the latest on LeVar Ball. So midweek, the Ball family, well, minus Lonzo, because Lonzo actually has a real job. But uh, the Ball family arrived in Lithuania, and uh, LeVar made sure to have tons of media coverage in Lithuania for his family. Now, the issue here being that they just mention Lithuania. They don't mention anything about the team itself. So, uh, in terms of uh, the league that they're playing in, uh, uh, Leangelo, who's the college student that was kicked out of UCLA's basketball team, and LeVar pulled him out, uh, although technically the report is he was could have stayed and play next year, but LeVar didn't want to have any of it, so he pulled him out. And LaMelo, who might not have been NCAA eligible, uh, was and was pulled out of high school for homeschooling, apparently. Homeschooling in Lithuania is uh, seems to be the case here. But the issue is that uh, they're going to be playing for Lithuanian basketball club Prienu Vitatas in... Uh, in the Lithuanian league, but uh, Prianu Vitatas will skip their Baltic basketball league. Uh, so they're not actually playing in the top tier uh, Lithuanian league, which is the uh, LKL. And I can't even pronounce it. Uh, it the LKL stands for Lietuvos Krepsino Liga. Uh, so they're not playing in that league. Uh, in Lithuania, they're playing in the Baltic League, which essentially would be the third division basketball league in Lithuania. 
So, in, in if I were to rank the outside leagues in Europe, uh, one would be the Euro League, which is kind of like Champions League uh, for basketball. And for those of you who don't know what Champions League would be, it's what soccer has for their top tier clubs in every uh, every country in the world outside of MLS because you know it's MLS. Uh, so that would be number one. Then it's Spain's basketball league. Uh, uh, then uh, the Turkish league, uh, Russia. Then you're getting into the Italian league, the German league, the French league. Uh, there's also an Adriatic League, a Greek League, and the Australian League. So that that would be the top ten. Then you're getting to the likes of China and then Lithuania. So, again, not exactly the upper echelon of basketball uh, <laughs> dominance. So you're banishing your kids to the middle of nowhere. Uh not even playing in the main league in Lithuania, you're going to a Lithuanian team that's dropping out of its actual schedule, mainly because they decided that your uh, promotional skills, uh, just because of you having these American kids that everyone's going to follow, is more lucrative than actually playing in a league. So I can only imagine what their teammates think of just their, you know, like having, I mean, honestly, these are like semi-pro guys at this stage of uh, of playing basketball because you're not talking about full-time professional players at this level of basketball. This is semi-pro where you're working a job on the side and you're doing the basketball league. So that's why they can rearrange their schedule to accommodate the ball family, uh, so that they can showcase the uh, showcase uh, uh, the uh, the boys because. They're going to be, uh, uh, they're, they're saying, uh, they're saying that they're going to still play in the Lithuanian, uh, a higher tier of the Lithuanian league, but dropping out of the Baltic league, which doesn't make any sense because basically the Baltic league is where this team actually belongs in. They're saying that, uh, these guys are going to be good enough because of the ball brothers that they can play a bunch of friendlies. Uh, so the first of the five friendly matchups they're going to do before joining the higher tier Lithuania League uh, is going to be against Zalgiris 2, which is a developmental basketball team with high school and college players uh, that uh, has uh, Lithuania's uh, top, uh, uh, top prospects, if you will. So... Basically, they're going to be playing the Lithuanian uh, JV uh, All-Star squad uh, with, <laughs> uh, with against uh, the Ball Brothers and seasoned pros who are well into their 20s and possibly 30s. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is a farce. Uh, I, I, I can't take this seriously, but... I, I, I have to because this guy keeps getting media attention. Uh, and, you know, it's all, all there is to it. So, uh, basically, uh, <laughs> basically, LeVar has found a situation where he could showcase his kids. The Lithuanian team doesn't really care because they're getting so much money out of this uh, publicity that... It doesn't matter to them. They're 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 making more money from this, so they don't feel any sense of shame because they don't have any uh, any prior history to latch onto, saying we have more integrity than this to to lower ourselves to this level. But uh, Lavar has somehow managed to finagle another situation. Meanwhile, he's still causing trouble uh, domestically. For Lonzo, because he went to ESPN and released this uh, bombshell interview with them stating that the Lakers players have lost faith in Luke Walton as a head coach and don't want to play for him. This after the Lakers having repeated meetings with uh, LeVar telling him that he needs to tone down his rhetoric about the coaching staff and let Lonzo develop as a player. 
LeVar can't help himself. He needs to be the center of attention of everything. ESPN keeps giving him a platform to speak on, and that's how it, it, it keeps playing out. So, uh, you know, LeVar will say something ridiculous, ESPN reports it, and then everyone runs off with their heads cut off because they have to respond to what LeVar's doing. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to wear out its welcome because outside of the Lakers, I'm not sure how many NBA teams are equipped to actually deal with LeVar Ball on a regular basis. Uh, LA's used to distractions, uh, so, you know, LeVar ha- has this sideshow gimmick down to a T, but uh, outside of that, there are too many owners in the NBA that are just not going to put up Lonzo. So, Alonzo has to develop in year two. This year, it's going to be pretty much a wash. The Lakers aren't going anywhere. It's next year that's going to be the critical year for Alonzo where he's going to have to uh, make those strides to improve uh, his overall game and become the superstar that his father has hyped him up to be because uh, as it stands, it's just more trouble than it's worth, and he's going to cost Alonzo uh, a bigger deal in terms of that of. Uh, uh, contract beyond the rookie contract because, again, just way too many headaches to deal with for the production you're going to be getting out of Alonzo. So uh, just lack of foresight with uh, LeVar not knowing when to quit. He, you know, he's already gotten him son out of UCLA, prevented his, uh, his high school son from ever being able to uh, go to college at this point. But, you know, again... Just another week with LeVar Ball. So that's all I can say about that. So a couple other things I wanted to get to. Uh, You had a weird story pop up in the middle uh, of the week in the college game uh, because uh, North Carolina uh, had a a game against uh, uh, Florida State where, I mean, in terms of the game itself, so Tar Heels are on the road. They're, I mean, the Tar Heels have been struggling this year anyway, but, uh, uh, I mean, they're still ranked 12 in the country. Uh, they were down, uh, I think they were down six or seven points uh, at FSU. Uh, Joe Barry's a senior, so, I mean, the ACC officials know him. Uh, he gets held up on a play, so he can't read. So they call it the turnover. He gets held on the play by the FSU player, so he's he's reaching. FSU player grabs his wrist, uh, and he, he can't reach the ball. Ball goes out of bounds. They call it a turnover. Barry goes to explain his case to uh, the referee, Ted Valentine, that he was getting held. Valentine's not necessarily in the play, so he may not have seen the, the hand grab. But instead of just engaging uh, Barry, Valentine inexplicably turns his back to uh, Valentine. I mean, Valentine turns his back to Barry and just refused to talk to him. Literally just turned his back to him, refused to talk to him. And everyone saw this, and it's a bizarre story because I, I, I saw it, and ESPN picked up on it. Now, uh, Valentine... Instead of just saying, you know what, I was just uh, didn't want to engage with the, the player or, t- or tee him up or anything, he stated that it was a technique that he learned in conflict resolution class that turning his back to him was a good idea. I'm not sure where he learned his conflict resolution class from, but one of the things that at least I picked up from conflict resolution is actually having open dialogue and listening to the other side before uh, going to the extreme measure that he had of turning your back <laughs> and just disavowing any, any, <laughs> any conversation whatsoever. That's the way to escalate a situation. So I'm not sure who taught him that as a de-escalation technique, but if they did, I, honestly, I would ask for a refund. But <laughs> uh, so to further that point, uh, Valentine then goes on to say, because uh, uh, he didn't talk to ESPN, he talked to another outlet, uh, 
the Athletic, uh, saying, yeah, he was thinking about retiring because he was tired of people blowing stuff up and said that I've had a stellar career. I think it's time to get ready to walk away. Now, when... I mean, honestly, that, that is like one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard of. You can't say that you dismiss everything, criticism you took this week from people saying that you didn't handle it the right way, saying, well, you know what? I'm tired of people getting on my case. I'm great. I'm going to walk away because... I can't deal with these people not knowing what they're talking about. I, you know, <laughs> I, I just look at that and I was like, it's stunning that he would actually say this. Because Valentine, uh, and I'll kind of uh, give an example here. Uh, he's kind of like Joe West of NCAA officials. So Joe West, uh, very theatrical Major League Baseball umpire, uh uh, Valentine has the nickname of TV Teddy. Uh, he makes himself the story in basketball games. So, he, he, literally, the, there was one situation where I remember this game where he almost got into a, a fight with uh, uh, Cincinnati head coach Mitch, Mick Cronin, who is about five foot four. <laughs> it's like literally. <laughs> Uh, about as uh, uh, you can't find a guy less intimidating than Mick Cronin uh, if you're going to pick a fight with. But uh, yeah, it was a bizarre example where I saw Valentine just shut down uh, uh, Joe Barry for no no good reason because again he wasn't being that demonstrative. He wasn't screaming at the ref, and if he was, you could tee him up just. Ignoring him completely, it just, you look ridiculous. And, uh, you know, his response to it is just even more over the top. Uh, how he doesn't think he did anything wrong. So, uh, I just wanted to point that one out. So, uh, that does it for basketball. I also wanted to kind of cap off uh, the, uh, uh, the show today with uh, talking a little bit about hockey. And the tournament that no one... Uh, watch, but you you should have, and that was the IIHF uh, Junior World Championship uh, that was actually being held in Buffalo, New York. So it was in New York, folks, just upstate. Uh, not that many people watched, it seems. Not that many people attended either. Uh, but you know, I would say uh, for uh, the Junior World Championships for hockey. Uh, this is essentially a showcase for the best under-20 uh, hockey players in the world to compete in. And it really is uh, one of the highlights of uh, uh, what you can see in terms of uh, just young players uh, playing hockey. I mean, uh, every major uh, NHL player worth his salt has played in the World Junior Championship at one point or another. And this year was no different. Uh the Rangers actually had a couple of players uh, playing uh, on their side. I wish these players were on the main roster because as a Rangers fan, these are the players that you're looking for to make contributions going forward, uh, especially since we have no number one center. But anyway, uh, the championship was actually won by Canada this year after uh, the U.S. upset them in Canada last year. Uh, in terms of the, uh, in terms of uh, how uh, things uh, panned out, uh, uh, in terms of the matchups, uh, the U.S. got eliminated by Sweden in the semifinal matchup. Uh, Canada beat Sweden uh, three to one, uh, so the, uh, the U.S. ended up getting uh, the bronze over the Czech Republic. But uh, the interesting uh, story that emerged out of this was. Uh, the story of Leas Anderson, who is the Rangers' number one draft pick this past year, and I kind of like it, but it's uh, it's kind of a bizarre highlight because he was the captain of the Swedish team, and upon getting his silver medal, chucked the silver medal into the crowd. I mean. Yeah. 
it, it's, uh, I, 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 I kind of look at it as like, a, you know, <laughs> a fan seemed to be more interested in the metal than he was, but, you know, it, it's actually one of those moments where you're just, I, 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 cause I saw this and I, and I, and I want to talk about it, uh, earlier, uh, uh, yesterday and I just didn't get time to, but it was, uh, it was, it was a big story in Canada. And of course, uh, Canada caring so much more about hockey than we do in the States. They made it, they made a big deal about it because, uh, the, uh, they, 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 they deemed it more of, uh, uh, of a lack of sportsmanship, but, uh, I, I, I could say, I could say this to the point. I get where he's coming from. When you want to win and you're looking at it and saying, why am I selling for a second place, uh, trophy? You know, I, I actually think it's kind of refreshing because, uh, this generation seems to be applauding for everyone gets a medal and a trophy. I, I, I kind of like the throwback of a guy just saying, you know, I didn't win. I, I, I'm not really proud of my performance. So what, what's, what's the point here? I, 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 I kind of like the, and the mentality and, you know, as a Rangers fan, we kind of get complacent with that in my opinion, because the Rangers don't have the fire that I see out of a a number of teams. And my my biggest gripe with the Rangers is the fact that they play too nice. Uh, So I I look at it and say that the Rangers kind of need someone with a little fire and someone with a little, uh, a little bit of uh, more steel in it and not willing to accept being an also ran it. Someone that's looking to go for it all. And it's not going to be satisfied until he gets it done. So, I, I like I said, I, I just want to kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, when when you when you can actually get to a position where you can win a go uh, win a silver medal, I think you do have the right to kind of do whatever you want with it. But yeah, I I, I kind of like the fact that he wasn't happy about it. So uh, I give credit to Anderson here. Huh? I I I, I kind of. Uh, I'm kind of more excited to see what he what happens when he does show up on the Rangers because I I think he's going to be a nice little change of pace for us. So especially since we need a center badly. Anyway, uh, that does it uh, for the show uh, tonight. Uh, hope you guys had a nice weekend, and we'll get back to it with uh, some more of the sports recaps uh, during the week. So that's all for now. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll I'll take giselle okay (laughs) is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.